Well, hey there, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast. I am meteorologist Dave Turley and joined as always by meteorologist Andrew Gordon. Andrew? Dave, how's it going? We're doing this a little earlier this week, but uh, got some time for it. Figured we'd give you guys a little bit more weather information, dive into some stuff. Yeah, and uh, we are in smack dab in the middle of Hurricane Preparedness Week and we did our last week's podcast on each individual day, right. uh, a topic for this day, for this week. Um, but today we're going to be talking about what are some of the ingredients that you need to actually get some of these tropical systems to develop. And uh, we just give her a quick little refresher course before we actually officially get into hurricane season. Right. You know, we don't always have time on TV to dive into the science. We tell you what's going to happen, not necessarily why. So we're going to go into some ingredients of why uh, hurricanes are like what you need for them to develop and hurricane ingredients as in moisture and wind shear, not talking about rum and juices like the drink, but uh, different kind of ingredients. But yeah, I think, you know, it all starts with you, you want to look at different areas, different months is where you would expect some of these different systems to form later in the year. We definitely will be looking off of the West coast of Africa. Because you see thunderstorms out there, you get tropical waves. Thunderstorms in Africa, you don't always think about it, but they've got them, and they go right. off the west coast there. And then we watch them get in those winds, and 10 days later, they might affect us, they might not. So, so let's, let's backtrack it and say the reason for that, when we talk about hurricane season now, hurricane season has always been, well, not always, has been since it started, uh, June 1st through the end of November. And there's a reason why the, the National Hurricane Center chose June 1st and let's say not March 1st. And that's because you're talking about there, you're getting a lot more of those storms developing more off the coast of Africa as you get later in the season. The reason for that is one of the ingredients that you need for these storms to develop, and that would be some warm ocean water temperatures. Now, just think in the Northern Hemisphere here, our winter time is going to be January, February, March, and that's when we have the coolest ocean water temperatures. Now, the ocean water will lag behind the actual air temperatures. So even though we officially start our summer, you know, June 21st, whatever the summer solstice falls upon, whatever that particular year is. So June 1st is our hurricane season, but it takes a little bit longer for those sea surface temperatures to catch up. So when we talk about the peak of the hurricane season, that usually falls at the end of August into, some, into September when those ocean water temperatures are warming up. Yeah, you know, if you want to dive into it, uh, water has a different specific heat, heat value than, say, just unsaturated air. So this is going to get a little bit in the nitty-gritty of it. But we can, I can kind of uh, tailor this back to the forecast that I was giving you guys today, too. So it takes more energy, joules per kilogram or whatever it is. It's been a while since I've, I've gone through all of this, <laughs> to raise or lower a molecule of water than it does unsaturated air. So the easiest way to look at it is you have a higher fluctuation of temperatures day to night in the desert versus in a, a humid climate. So that's why you have the lagging. We're starting to see temperatures even real life example today. Temperatures started off in the lower 70s in the beaches, but inland areas were in the low to mid 60s. Whereas you're slower to climb right along the coastline here today where temperatures are probably only going to go up maybe 10 degrees and you're going to have about a 20 degree jump for for inland areas so when you look at that hurricane wise and tropical storm season wise right now 
the land is in the afternoons going to be warmer than the ocean because we're still slowly climbing. It's a slower climate, it's a slower fall with the ocean temperature. So right now we're only going to get warmer and warmer and warmer as we get into about September is probably when we have the peak heating for the ocean, whereas our peak heating over land is before that. So there's going to be a lag with it because it takes longer for that to build up and then draw itself back down. And we see that during hurricane season because it keeps us a little bit warmer in the mornings right now. But then as we get into fall, it takes a lot, a little bit longer for it to cool yourself off as well. So that's why we then see in the mornings, it's a little bit warmer at the coast as well as you get into those cooler months. So just because water takes more energy itself to either warm up or cool down, that's why the peak hurricane season is September. You know, right. that's really why that is, is because it takes, it's not going to be exactly the dead of summer when you think it would be on a calendar it's going to lag a little bit because it stores it differently. Right. And, and think of the ocean water temperatures as basically the fuel for these storms. Mm-hmm. The warmer the water, the more fuel you have. So if you, you need at least a water temperature of about 80 degrees, we'll say about. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you get the more, the hotter those water temperatures are, if you're getting like we can get temperatures in the mid 80s here Bath easily. Water. Yeah. And sometimes you can get in some upper 80s the, in there in the Caribbean and in the Gulf. Um, and that is just so much fuel energy for these, these systems to tap into. And, and, um, yeah, that's why we have a lot of those systems more later into the season. Right. And you're a car guy. The way that, the way that I, I could communicate this, I always need examples. That's what I've always needed for school. So 80 degrees means you got gas in the car, so you can start moving. But then if you get to 85 or 90, it's like you add like a little additive in there, like the little fuel injector cleaner or, you know, that little STP something or other, you know, you're adding into your so car. the stuff that they always try to sell you that's exactly. bogus. Well, I don't know yeah. if it's bogus <laughs> it's or not. not bogus. For the sake of the example, yes. let's say it's not, <laughs> you know, it's going to give you better fuel mileage or yes, give you more horsepower or whatever. Uh, who, whoever it is, if it, if it works, send us some and we'll try it out for ourselves. <laughs> but, you know, if you add in a little like, Oh, you're going to get a little bit more horsepower if you do this. Right. That's what I think of as getting higher and higher with the water temperatures because really what you're getting is a better chance of more late heat release, which in, in better terms is just you have more energy. It's all it comes down to. But it doesn't matter how hot the water is if some of these other ingredients aren't in place or if too much of them are in place, you can't get a storm to form. There are actually as, as many storms as it feels like we've had lately. They're not the easiest things to create a lot of things still have to go right for you to get a well-oiled machine and a big hurricane yeah and one of the other re, uh, ingredients that you're going to need is you talked about those little uh, waves coming off of africa mm-hmm. you need to have some type of energy some type of pre-existing spin or or something in the atmosphere there that can start to get this moisture collect this moisture get the air to rise and and, and start to form more storms and and have a life of its own so you need some type of some type of ingredient there. You, you really do. And what it's really an interesting place to look at in Western Africa because uh, it doesn't seem like somewhere that you would want to look for tropical activity. And you can live by it and you can die by it, by these storms because you can also get these strong winds that are moving toward us from Africa that if you have those upper-level winds that aren't helping you form a thunderstorm, you can get a lot of Saharan dust that's put up there. Mm-hmm. And dry air robs energy. Dust, dry. So if you get a huge Saharan air layer, as we call it, where we can get dust from that happened a few years ago. I remember yeah, looking at our sky that. cams. You can get dust from the Saharan desert come 
all the way over. It just tells you you got these highways of air above us that steer different weather phenomenon um, comes over here. That's going to spread itself off across the Atlantic. Even if you get a tropical wave that tries to catch up to it, that dry air is going to suffocate it. Right. So it's robbing its fuel source. Yeah, it really is. So it's, it's taking a little gas out of the tank, I guess. And you got to have, you've got to have the, the surface water temperature at a certain temp, you know, it's got to be high enough. Right. But also if you don't have moisture in the upper levels, cause some of these storms, hurricanes aren't quite as high as a typical thunderstorm could be. You're usually looking at about 30,000 feet, but if you've got a dust layer that's hanging out there, storm tries to come in there, it's just going to kind of fizzle out because you're losing an ingredient. So let's say, let's talk about the, the third ingredient that you need. Let's say that you have the warm temperatures, sea surface temperatures, you have the um, uh, the moisture going in there, that little pre-existing spin or something. So you're getting the storms developing, the updraft of air. But as the storms continue to try to grow, if long as you don't have strong upper-level winds... Right. then that storm can be a healthy storm, continue to grow, continue to breathe, basically inhale all that moisture, get it to rise, and then output it with that uh, high pressure that used to say aloft. If you have strong winds, it tends to rip apart the tops of those storms, right. and it doesn't allow those storms to continue to grow. Yeah, so you have two different kinds of, of wind shear that we'll look at. You have directional and you have speed shear. Usually directional, that's not something that we see change too much within that, that overall wind pattern. It's going to be the speeds that we look at. So the speed shear, you want to make sure is not too strong because a little bit, you need a little bit of shear, meaning that you need a little bit of a difference in a wind speed with height as you go up. You need it to change a little bit, not be uniform because then you create spin. If everything's going 10 miles an hour in one direction, there's no room for spin. Right. If you get it going up to... 30 at 5,000 feet, 40 at 10,000, whatever, you're naturally just going to create a little bit of a vortex in the atmosphere. So you need a little bit of that, but if you get too much, it kind of saws it off and it cuts off the top of it. So it's like having a cake in front of you, but you, you take off the icing on the top, which is the best part. No good. You're no, not, you're no not gonna, good. You're not going to have a hurricane. <laughs> trying to use these analogies for you guys. That today. was good. That was good. So uh, Yeah, no good. You need the icing. No good. The icing gonna, on top of the cake. Yeah, it's going to be the the uh, phrase of the day. No good. <laughs> so, you know, and, and in this case, you know, we would want our desserts, but not not in the relation here that it would create a, a nice hurricane for us. But let's go, let's go into this now. So if you have all of these ingredients that come together, then that doesn't guarantee that it's going to impact us here. Right. You know, and all things considered, we forecast for a relatively small area of the Atlantic basin, you know, we've got over a hundred miles or so of coastline and we know that the impacts can go further within that, but the Atlantic hurricane season, you know, all of the names that get put out there, it's not just for the United States. We like to think that things are about us a lot, but you've got these systems that can impact, um, you know, the Caribbean, Mexico, other, other communities as well. And that's why some people have asked like, why do you have these names that are hard to pronounce this year? Well, the World Meteorological Association, I think, is who, who names these systems. WMO, the uh, yeah. World Meteorological Organization. Organization, yes. close. Uh, they, you know, you know, you want to be able to relate to whoever could potentially be impacted. Right. So you're going to have Hispanic influence. You're going to have these different names that are in there because it just kind of keeps an interest up. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about us. And you could have a storm that looks like it could uh, come right toward us, barreling in. 
and then curve out to sea thanks to high pressure or a front blocks it or it's uh you know goes down into the caribbean or affects somebody and it doesn't touch us right so you can have everything put in place and that's the first challenge is if we feel like that's even going to happen and then you get into the steering winds yeah and a lot of those steering winds once you get more of an organized uh, tropical system be coming from the upper level winds so mm-hmm. you why you like to see what the wind is at ahead of the storm how that storm is going to be steered you have one of those weaker systems, which is not quite as high in the atmosphere, and then that's where it gets a little bit trickier to see where those storms are going to go because they're more steered by the low to mid-level winds, uh, which makes it difficult. That's when you see a lot of the, some of those storms doing little turns, little loops, yeah. and stuff like that off the coast because they have light winds and they nothing really to steer that. It doesn't take much to move those things around. Right. They just kind of mosey around yeah. out there. You really, usually whenever you see our updates, whenever we get into updates every four to eight hours for these bigger storms. They're usually moving at about eight to 12 miles an hour. There's there's a rate in which it's moving forward that it's maximizing getting that energy from the ocean without moving too fast and shearing itself out or going too slow and either raining itself out or just kind of doing loops. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about the hurricane hunters a lot before, and I'll be very brief with this, but it's important to have NOAA as a partner in all of this and, and to do this research because we don't have a way to know what those upper level winds are unless you take the weather data collection instruments to that system. So the upper air analysis plane that they have is a Gulf Stream and they service it here in Savannah, which is kind of neat. And it's outfitted specifically to fly at 45,000 feet. Well, hurricanes aren't 45,000 feet high. But what we can get from that as you fly around the outside of the hurricane, you fly out in front of where it could go on the north and on the south side. You don't fly directly in the path that you think it would be. Those, the little data you know, drops that we're doing there is telling us what the wind speed direction everything is from 45,000 feet all the way to the surface and then that gets ingested into the weather models so the upper air analysis planes more so for the direction that's going to change the spaghetti models and the cone of uncertainty as they call it it's not going to change the intensity because it never is going into the the part of the storm that's showing where's the energy coming from this is more so just about the wind you brought up a couple of different uh, terms over there, the spaghetti plots and the cone of uncertainty. No. And it just brings back uh, nightmares about all these past hurricane seasons. Mm-hmm. What do the spaghetti plots say? Are we in the cone of uncertainty? And there's just a lot of thing to think about. And again, the cone of uncertainty has nothing to do with any type of uh, size of the storm or the impacts. It's just saying where the center of the storm may go out to a certain extent of the uh, period of time. So impacts could vary depending on what side of the cone you're on, when it's coming in, how big the storm actually is. The cone has nothing to do with telling you that. Everybody wants to think that, and maybe we just need to do a better job or continue to do the job of communicating this, that if you're in the cone, that you're going to get the crazy footage that you see in movies and and the palm trees bending over sideways and all this. Just because you're in the cone, that doesn't mean that's going to happen. Like you said exactly, Dave, it's the center of the storm. And the center of the storm is not always the worst part of it. You know, you could have the strongest sustained wind there, but you could have outside of that, away from the center, 60 plus miles tornadoes. And that right. could produce the strongest wind that uh, that you have out of the entire system. And you don't even have the center go over you. Kind of like with uh, Elsa specifically, because we just kind of went over this footage because of uh, just re- going over some things, going down memory lane. But Elsa came through, and the worst of it, you had tornadoes pretty spread out, Effingham County and Port Royal over right. in Beaufort County. The center didn't go over either of those communities, but those are the areas that had the most 
monetary damages and impacted the most people's lives. So we can't always focus on the center. No. We have to focus on the impacts, and that's going to be our job to show you guys, like, this is where we think the highest impacts could be. I know this shows you a generic path in which we think the storm is going in this direction, but it's all about impacts, right? That's why we do our job every day. We can tell you a, a temperature or a dew point or a wind speed, but that doesn't really matter unless we can tell you what that means for your day and how to plan. How is it going to impact you? Right. Exactly. And then the worst part of, the, of a, a tropical system is typically going to be the storm surge for, for our area. If you're yeah. living along the coast, that is the main threat, the main part of the storm that does the most amount of uh, loss of life, basically, and damage yeah. is going to be from storm surge. So we always say you want to run from the water and hide from the wind. So get yourself inland away from storm surge. But even as you move inland, as you just mentioned, that's not a guarantee that you're going to be safe. We can have those strong winds taking down some trees, which could come down on some homes and power lines. You might not have power. There's a lot yeah. of damage that can still happen, even though you're not going to be impacted by any storm surge. So a lot to think about as we uh, come up into this uh, hurricane season. Again, doesn't officially start until June 1st, but the last seven years, right? I think it's seven years in a row. That means within the next, what, three and a half weeks, we could potentially have an A name out there. I hope not. I mean, right now we're not, we're not thinking it, but it's happened in the past, you know, seven years. And, and that's something actually at the uh, national hurricane center has been considering, uh, maybe extending the uh, start time of hurricane season from June 1st, which it is now maybe going through the middle of May because I, yeah. this trend has been for a storm developing in May. Yeah, I think the the date I'd seen thrown around was maybe the 15th, and that was kind of before all the COVID stuff happened, and then I never really heard a lot more chatter about and it. And I think the 15th coincides with the start of the hurricane season in the eastern Pacific as okay. well, so off that, our west sense. coast. Um, that usually starts a little bit earlier than than our season out here in the Atlantic Basin. But we'll yeah. wait and see. Either yeah. way, got to be prepared. Yeah, and and we're doing that this week, of course, still continuing with every show, telling you guys about, you know, hurricane preparedness tips for the day. And uh, coming up in June, be on the lookout for us to have our big hurricane expo. We'll be out there. Come say hello. We don't have all the, the details ironed out just yet, but we'll definitely pass those along we get them and then we also work on a big um 30 minute special that airs saturday night i want i don't remember the day off the top of my head but i think it's the sixth all right maybe i this think 11th six, somewhere in there somewhere. i think it's the second saturday of june that's odd that's not specific enough we'll tell you again but we're we're starting to, to is it the 11th that. then that would probably be the 11th if it's the second one it can't be the sixth. maybe so can't I have think two, you can't have two in only six I think days. it's subject subject to change a little bit. Yeah, so don't we'll, quote us on this. No, just ignore this part. But uh, just Beginning being transparent, we don't know exactly when it is yet. But it'll it'll run, and um, we're going to produce some good content for you guys as well. So we're going to start to get to work on that. All right, Andrew. I think that kind of wraps up this week here. It's another edition of our WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast, and we thank you all for joining us. <laughs> 